Hi, welcome to Beyond Beauty, the Professional Beauty Association's podcast, where we take a deeper look inside the minds and the hearts of the amazing artists in our professional beauty industry. I am Leslie Perry with the Professional Beauty Association, and it is such an honor and a pleasure to have this amazing guest with me today, Marquetta Breslin. Thank you so much for being here. I I don't even know how to introduce you that does does it justice because you are a licensed professional. You have created your own method and teaching for creating amazing wigs and helping individuals going through hair loss and like feel so much better about themselves and then helping other professionals help those clients. You're an amazing marketing mind, a social media guru, a mom, a wife, all the things. So I'm just so excited that you have some time to be with us today. Oh man, thank you so much for having me. I am so honored to be here on as a guest on this this podcast. Um, I really love what you guys do in the Professional Beauty Association. So thank you. Of course, I had to carve out time to be here. Well, first, for uh, if people don't know that much about you, why beauty? How did that all happen? Because I know you have an, a unique story and a background in getting into it that yes. combines some things that maybe didn't seem like beauty. <laughs> <laughs> so actually, it started with my Cabbage Patch doll when I was six years old. So I don't know if you remember this, Leslie, I'm telling my age, but the Cabbage Patch dolls had hair made of yarn. Yes, I had them. I okay, had them. Okay. Yes, I, I, I was the age when my mom had to wait in line and box people out at yes. to get yes. the Cabbage Patch doll for Christmas. Yes. <laughs> yes. Similar ages. So, yes, I do. Okay, yes. So, that's where my, um, I think that's where my love for beauty started because I really wanted to, I wanted to do something with my baby doll's hair, but I didn't know how to braid and I barely knew how to twist. And my mom could braid because she used to do my hair. And I asked her to teach me and she says, no, because if I teach you, you won't figure it out on your own. Oh, wow. And I thought, oh, that's so mean. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I remember, I don't have very many memories of being young, but I remember sitting on the couch for hours trying to figure out how to get the three strands to, to work and intertwine to create a plaque. And I did it. And I was hooked ever since then. Then I started collecting Barbie dolls and then I started to do their hair. And then I learned how to do cornrows and everything kind of excelled from there. And when I was in high school, I had the opportunity to go to cosmetology school in high school, but I didn't do it. Um, so, sometimes I regret that decision, but I didn't do it because I did not know of any stylist at that time that didn't have to work a second job to make ends meet. So I said, I don't want to have to do that. So I'm just not going to do hair. So I ended up going to the United States Air Force. And while I was living in New Jersey, so I moved to New Jersey for a very short period of time, for about a year. And I ended up going into the military. But while I was living in New Jersey, my cousin had this long hair and he would ask me to braid. And I would tell him, I don't really know how to braid that good. I don't think you want me braiding your hair. 
And he didn't give up on me. He, he oh. sat there and no matter what it looked like, he just wore it. And then over time, I said, okay, if he's going to wear it, I had to like, I had to really put my all into this. <laughs> and so I got better. And then his friends started coming to me to braid. And then I started getting paid for it. And then I'll never forget this. I rarely share this part of my story, but I will never forget uh, one of one of my cousin's friends was at a store or maybe he, he was on a, um, a a local cruise in New York or something like that. And this lady came up to him and she said, the quality of your braids is phenomenal. It's so neat. Who braided your hair? And he gave her my information and she came to me. She gave me a call and she came to me and she said, I just need you to braid my hair down for a wig that I'm wearing. And she paid me 75, it was either 75 or a hundred dollars just to do something that took me 30 minutes. And in that right there, I said, okay, this is maybe I should have gone in <laughs> to do hair, but I still ended up going into the military. And then while I was in basic training, I had a full blown clientele. <laughs> I had a full, I was doing okay. hair and trading hair braiding for the, the chores that I had to do. So if I had to clean the bathrooms that, that day and somebody needed their hair braided, I would just say, you clean the bathrooms and I'll just braid your hair. And so <laughs> some of those, some of those ladies uh, came with me to my first duty station, which was Langley Air Force Base. They became clients. I became licensed, uh, a licensed braider at Langley and everything kind of just took off from there. <laughs> so just, it's so amazing, you know, the little things and the little nudges that we never, when yes. you look back with hindsight, it makes sense. But in the time, it's like, my cousin wants me to braid his hair, but I'm not even like, why am I going to do this? Yes. But had you not taken the nudge? <laughs> right? It's crazy. It's crazy. And it was, it, even, even in being in the military, I still didn't want to do hair full time because I, that idea sat with me that, wait a minute, this, this is not something that I've seen people do full time. I just wasn't around successful stylists. Even though I come from a family, I come from generations of hairstylists. My aunt was a hairstylist. My great aunt was a hairstylist and on both sides. So I came from that, but they didn't do it full time. So I didn't think that it was anything that I could do full time because I just didn't know. It was lack of understanding. And then even when I got into the military and met my husband and he said, you should teach people how to do this. My mindset was still, no, I'm going to retire from the Air Force. This is not something that I want to do full time. And I did it anyway. And here we are. <laughs> so when, when, what was the shift that made you really believe, oh, I could do it? The shift happened actually when I was on active duty in the Air Force and my, so it was a little bit different for me. So instead of going into the salon first and then coming out and teaching, it was a little bit different. So I was not in the salon full time until I opened my salon um, after I got out of the military because for obvious reasons, I was in the military and that was my full time job. So I couldn't do it. But the shift happened while I was on active duty after I met my husband. And I said, wait a minute, like I, I was a full, it was like a part-time job, full-blown, 
full clientele. I had a sign on the back of my car. Um, <laughs> they would come. I would either, I, since I was licensed, I was able to travel. So I would travel to them or they would come to me. And it was a real thing. I was making great money even doing this part-time. And I said, okay, this is definitely something that I may consider. I might want to consider doing full-time when I get out of the military. And then in the process of everything, by that time, I had been braiding hair for probably like 15 years because I started so young and my mom was my first client and, you know, cousins and stuff like that. So I just, I said, you know what, maybe I really should consider this. And then my husband said, well, why don't you teach people how to braid? And my first inclination was who would want to learn from me? And I feel like that's what so many people think or so many people say when they're really good at something or, or they say, well, there's so many other people doing it. So why would I do it? But I always say, but they're not you. You have, you, you have the ability to connect with people that other people won't be able to connect with and they'll be able to learn from you. And so finally, my husband kept asking me to do this and I kept saying no. And finally I said yes. And when I did, we recorded our first set of um, trainings and they were terrible. So <laughs> I didn't know how to teach. I didn't know what I was doing, but looking at the ones that were terrible allowed me to grow and say, okay, I need to add this and I need to add this. And so the education side took off first before uh, the behind the chair salon stuff did because that's all I had, I was able to do because I was on active duty. And so when I got out, um, then I opened my salon and was servicing uh, clients that suffer from hair loss or people that just wanted their hair done. So the shift happened when I was on active duty. Wow. And then another shift happened. Um, yes. And this is where for us, you know, like with the Beyond Beauty, we talk about that. Yes, we're all in the beauty industry, but there's, there's so much more to what we do than making people look really amazing on the outside. Mm -hmm. um, and for you, it was so personal and the, the way you got into what you're doing now with the creation of your wigs and, and teaching of that. And if you could share um, how that kind of transpired. And once again, it almost seems like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to steal the thunder. So I'll, I'll, I'll be quiet. <laughs> so in the middle of everything. So at this point, um, my husband and I, we got married after dating for only eight months this year. Next month, we'll be married for 19 years. That's amazing. Congratulations. <laughs> crazy. Everybody thought I was crazy. They were like, this is quick. <laughs> no, when you know, you know. When you know, you know. <laughs> yes. So in the middle of us building, so we're three years into building our business and it's going, we're, we, we don't know what we're doing. There's no... There was no YouTube or anything like that back then. So we were kind of trying to figure things out online. Um, and in the middle of us building our business, uh, I had a phone call from my mom and we found out that she was diagnosed with stage two breast cancer. It was completely devastating. Um, we, my mom was one of my best friends. She's been through a lot. Mm -hmm. um, she was an addict. My Both of my parents were addicts. So they went through a lot of trauma in life. So 
to me to hear that was just an added thing. Like, man, this is, this is terrible. So in the middle of that, um, you know, obviously one of her first questions, I went with her to her first oncology appointment. I am the oldest of three. Um, I have two younger brothers. Um, I'm eight years older than the oldest little brother. So there's a gap there. And uh, at the time she was diagnosed, they were still in high school or maybe it was middle school going into high school. So I went with her to her first oncology appointment. And one of her first questions was, am I going to lose my hair? And that stuck with me because I knew uh, that was a big deal for my mom. She did not want to have to look like what she was going through. Nobody does. Right. So the doctor said, you know, he told her, yes, this is the type of chemo that will probably take every bit of your hair out, lashes and everything. And I saw the options <laughs> that my mom had before her. And she was wearing some of the most unflattering wigs. And I just looked at my husband one day and I said, you know, she shouldn't have to look like what she's going through. I am tired of seeing her wear these wigs. So if they have all these amazing wigs in television and film, why can't my mom or why can't cancer patients or people who suffer from hair loss have these wigs too? So I set out on a mission to figure out how to make the, I didn't even know what they were called. I set out on this mission to figure out how to make the wigs that they use in television and film. And as I stated earlier, the resources were extremely limited. This was before YouTube. This was before a lot of the resources that we have now. There was no online training. There was none of that. All I had were old books that referenced um, things that they used in the 1800s. <laughs> there was no, there was, there was really nowhere to buy. Like I didn't know anything. So I'm sitting there and I have to try to figure this thing out. And it was a lot of, um, it was very stressful for me because here I have my mom and I'm watching her and I'm seeing her and she, it's, it's not good. And I'm trying to do this thing for her to help her feel better. And I can't find anything. And I didn't know I could have just gone over to Europe and learned this, but I didn't know that. So, so in the process of all of this, I discovered my own approach and my own way to making lace wigs from scratch out of a need to just help my mom. And so in the pro in that whole process I developed, I made my mom her first lace wig. And I will never forget the look on her face when I put the wig on her. She completely transformed. She no longer had to, she didn't look like what she was going through. She looked like herself again. And I knew at that moment, I said, okay, if a wig, can do this for my mom, how can I scale this to help other people? I know I can't make all the wigs, <laughs> but what I didn't realize is all of the teaching that I had done for the braiding helped prepare me to teach lace wigs. And I was mind blown when my husband said, well, why don't you just teach it? And I go, well, <laughs> I know what I'm doing a little bit now so when, on the teaching side of things. So why don't we do that? So we set out to develop what was the only one in the world, the Lace Week Training System, all the way back in 2007 or 2008. 
And it was six DVDs, two workbooks, a glossary, and four handouts that took you step-by-step from making a wig from scratch, a closure from scratch, a mustache, and I went through attachment methods and all kinds of things. And it was the only one in the world. Then I started having hands-on events to teach people the skill where my mom was assisting me um, until she couldn't assist me anymore because, you know, her cancer ended up coming back at stage four and uh, she passed away the day after Mother's Day in 2016. Um, And then since then, we've refilmed the system twice um, and I'm continuing to do live events and it has just really been a blessing and amazing. And the most current thing that we're doing. So we just launched Lacewig University and very, very soon, I'm spilling some tea here. (laughs) (laughs) Yay! (laughs) We are launching the American Wig Association as well. Oh my gosh, yes. that's amazing. Yes. yes. Oh, that, that, that'll be an offline conversation too. <laughs> <laughs> so it's the American Wig Association is there to, uh, to do a number of things, but most importantly, to bridge the gap between people who need hair pieces mm-hmm. and people who provide those hair pieces for uh, people who suffer from hair loss, um, chemotherapy, whatever it is. So it's there most importantly for that. And then on the side of the people who make the wigs and who are attaching the wigs, it's there to help them um, have one place that they can send their customers to, as well as help them build and establish their business as well so that people know that they exist. That's amazing. Congratulations on that. Thank you. So cool. Well, and what strikes me is, when your mom, you know, your mom had foresight and maybe didn't even know it when you were six to say, you can figure it out. I'm not going to show you. And to me, like hearing the whole story again, that's like the whole start, because what if she had showed you and you didn't have to figure it out? Would you have had the confidence as an adult to figure out how to make a lace wig from scratch, having no knowledge? I mean, I don't think so. I mean, (laughs) Yeah, I don't think I think that I would have waited for it to be put in my lap. And my I know my mom didn't even realize what she was doing in that moment. But it was one of those things that I look back now and I am so thankful that she didn't show me Mm -hmm. because I don't think that I would have had that seed planted that early in my life that developed and 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 grew into this thing that I had to like, I have this thing in me that if I don't know how to do something, I must figure it out. I must. Yeah. So where, like that thing, you know, you said it's inside of you, like what keeps you inspired and keeps you pushing and keeps you going? The purpose, the, the purpose that I am purpose to help people Uh, discover solutions for hair loss, whether that is uh, a hair patch or a closure or a frontal, or maybe even it's a product or something like that, that they can use in the interim when they're waiting for, uh, they're waiting for their hair to start growing back. But 
I have a special place in my heart for people who suffer from hair loss because I know what it's like. I have spent so many, so much time in cancer centers, seeing different men and women go through the entire process. There have been people who, who I remember showing up to the cancer centers that didn't make it or the people that I remember showing up that had a rough go and that would talk to me and I would talk to them about, you know, different things. And we would talk about hair and hair pieces and how difficult it was for them to find these hair pieces that looked like their hair. I mean, it was a, it was a real problem when my mom and I walked into the salon at the cancer center and the stylist, which this broke my heart, mm -hmm. the stylist hands my mom a wig. My mom is a black woman with kinky textured hair. She handed her a, a black wig that was silky. Like it did not look anything like my mom's hair. It, it looked nothing like it. Mm -hmm. And it was, it just, it, that right there, I know what it's like going through that because I went through it with my mom. And a lot of times people who suffer from hair loss that are not comfortable wearing their bald head or whatever it is, they feel very self-conscious about the pieces that they wear if they don't look realistic. Right. And so that right there is the thing that keeps me going as well as the people who want and who are eager to, to learn this skill, who are eager to learn either how to make them, how to ventilate, or how to just work with, with clients that suffer from this. So that is what keeps me going. It's the people, it's the purpose, it's being able to help connect these people together. I will always, always have a special place in my heart and will always put forth all of the effort that I can to try to help people have resolution for hair loss and what they're going through. What advice do you have for younger Marquetta? Oh, <laughs> knowing what you know now, maybe what? Yeah. Wow. So for younger Mar Marquetta, my advice would be uh, never give up. Keep pressing forward. Um, and no matter what anyone says, stand on what you know and continue to strive to be better personally and to be better um, professionally as well. Um, one of the things that I, I shared a little bit about this, but I'm gonna go just slightly deeper. My life, my, my childhood growing up was not easy. As I stated, I come from two functioning addicts. And me being the oldest, I was like a tiny little mother to my brothers um, from eight years old until I decided to leave. And I was determined that I was not going to be a statistic and neither were my brothers. Um, the town that we grew up in, Bud, North Carolina, is a very tiny town. Uh, there's not a lot of opportunity there. But I knew that there was something greater on the other side if I just stayed the course. And there are a lot of people who come from these small towns and who uh, suffer from their, their environment, I'll say. But you just have to make the decision that you're not going to be a product of your environment. 
And so that's the the what I would say to young Marquette or to anybody who's listening that's like, man, I come from a small town. It's so hard to get out of here. Trust me, if I did it, <laughs> anybody can do it. Anybody can. Just do not give up and make up in your mind that you will be different, that you will come out of it. And I'll say this, and this is the last thing I'll say, because I feel like I'm being wordy. <laughs> um, Taking us to church like Mr. Roderick Samuels <laughs> likes to do, and I love them for it. And I, <laughs> I, I'm like getting breathed in right now. So I'm, yes. <laughs> I hope others listening do too. <laughs> yes. So listen, this is the power of, I talk so much about what we say out of our mouths, because it's very, very, very important. What we say out of our mouths, we begin to believe and it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. So be very careful how you speak about your situation or how you speak about what you want to do and write things down. So this right here blew my mind. And this will be the, the last thing I say, I promise. Um, <laughs> I was, we were cleaning out the closet a couple years ago. I think we were still living in South Carolina at this time. And I found my senior book. And in the back of my senior book, it says, where do you want to be in like 10 years or whatever years? And as I started reading, tears started flowing because everything that I wrote in my senior book, I had already accomplished and I was completely blown away. When you say something and when you write it down, your mind subconsciously, as long as you're working towards that thing, your mind will subconsciously make those things happen as long as you are doing what you have to do. And I couldn't even believe, I totally forgot that I had wrote it down, but every, literally everything down to the car that I wanted to drive was there. The husband, the children, the car, the home, everything I wrote down. So we have to be very, very mindful of what we say, mm -hmm. write down your goals and never stop learning ever. I don't care how long you've been in the industry, always be a student. Never, ever, ever feel like you've reached the top because there's always something to learn and be humble. That's all. Amen. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Yes. <laughs> I do want to ask one fun question. Yes. I like to ask, what do you have a favorite decade for style, beauty, yes. the look? The 90s. Oh my gosh. You so all right. Mr. Samuels also picked the 90s. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Roger. Afterwards. <laughs> Yes, the 90s. Maybe it's because I grew up in the 90s, yeah. but I mean, the 90s. I love the 90s. Oh, oh my gosh. I, and I'm seeing so many things from They're the 90s. Back. I know, I know. Yes. Even down to the lip liner. The first thing I thought about when you asked me that was the lip liner with the, the dark lip liner, <laughs> the browner, darker with the yeah. light. Yes. <laughs> I love everything about the 90s. So that's my favorite decade. Even the small brows? Don't know about that, but <laughs> almost everything about almost the 90s. Everything. That's yes. awesome.
That's awesome. Well, anything else that you want to share? This has just been so incredible talking to you and just appreciate you, you for sharing. And I mean, truly, I mean, I joke about the going to church thing, but really for people listening, just so many amazing tips and strategies to build a future that you love. I think the last thing um, I'll say and I'll share is don't be afraid to be who you are. Um, a lot of people, there's a big part of me that I didn't share on here. I'm also a licensed and ordained minister. And for a long time, See, it really was, church. See? <laughs> <laughs> for a long time, I was, uh, apprehensive about sharing that side of me because out of fear, it was fear of what everybody else would think. But I had to get, I had to let go of that and stand on what I believe. And um, regardless of how I feel, obviously not passing judgment on anyone for anything that they do, but never be afraid to be who you are. That is being your true authentic self. And people who love, who love who you are as a person will connect with you no matter what, but do not dim your light for anybody and for any reason. I feel very strong about saying that. Never dim your light for anybody. Be who God created you to be. That's it. That's I it. love it. Yes. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you so much for having oh me. Oh my gosh. This it was, was so nice much fun. Keep talking for hours, I'm sure. And right. I'm yes. your whole day today. <laughs> But thank you. We will see you in person soon, I hope. Yes. And I cannot wait to hear more about the American Wig Association. Um, so more to come on that. And as we get more information, of course, through PBA, we will share that with you all too. So thank you again, Marquetta. And we'll also include um, how to get a hold of you, your website and all of that too um, in, awesome. the right up in the chat. So thank you so much. Thank you Bye. for having me. Bye.